You are in for a treat with this interview that I had with Jonathan Kaiser. I love this talking point where he speaks about having an abundant mindset that we shouldn't be leading as if it's a competition, but being in service to others as a leading principle, because then, (laughs) believe it or not, good things will happen. Now, when I think about this, I think about my husband, Dan, and he is in construction management, the construction trades, and he would be in and out of people's homes or properties and just do good work and point things out and help them out and not always ask to be paid. And then, guess what, Deb? I got a free patio furniture. Guess what, Deb? I have this rolling pin, this marble rolling pin and board. And guess what, Deb? (laughs) Look what just fell off a truck. You know, he is a model of just doing the right thing, just being a good human. Sometimes things come back in your favor. And I often wonder, we as leaders, do we always look for that? Expect it. Hope that something will come back because we are in service to others. I wonder, should we just think about just doing the right thing and not seek anything in return? If we have that attitude, maybe good fortune will come our way. But before we get into the interview, I just want you to be in a place to be truly present. Listen to the wise words of Jonathan Kaiser. I believe that selflessness is self-interested. My message is not do good because it's the right thing. I'm a pragmatic business leader that says that if you help people as your primary objective, put yourself last and put others first, you over time cannot help but create extraordinary success. Like the thing that always frustrated me is why is the business world so antagonistic just in general? Why do people believe it's in their best interest to be so confrontational and so aggressive and acting as a zero-sum game mindset. What if you didn't have to do that? And what if the people that were the most successful were the ones that actually didn't act that way? There's an abundance of goodwill that drives our success of figuring out what other people need and helping them get it versus me, 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 which is how most people in business and in life for that matter live. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the drop-in CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, Join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I am excited you have joined us for another episode of the podcast. Week after week, I speak to amazing leaders who share their insights and inspiration with you. And if you love this podcast, and I know you will, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell others. We want to continue to bring you great programming and just know we are here for the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate challenges with confidence. And now it is my honor to share the mic with my amazing guest, Jonathan Kaiser. Jonathan is the founder of Kaiser, one of the most innovative and trustworthy technology-enabled occupier services commercial real estate firms in the country. Among with their international partners, they have over 560 people worldwide. 
And he is also a number one Wall Street Journal bestselling author. You don't have to be ruthless to win. And he has also been coined or named the commercial real estate disruptor. But what makes him special to me is that through his selfless workshop leadership series, he helps other business leaders activate their three levels of reinvention to boost profits while increasing client and employee retention. His efforts to change the business world through selfless service manifest in his content, thought leadership, and the level of excellence he holds his team to within Kaiser. So it is my pleasure, Jonathan, to welcome you onto the show. Thank you, Deb. Thank you for inviting me to join you. It's an honor to be on. And thank you for all that you do for leaders in today's world. I mean, your podcast is is an amazing podcast, so I'm, I'm honored to be invited. All right. Well, it is my pleasure. And again, I do it for the passion I have for the aspiring leader of today and tomorrow to help them. But quick shout out to Meredith Bell. I love the network. Thank you for introducing us. And to my listeners, the disruptor. You know me, I think differently. When I met Jonathan, he talked about himself being a disruptor, but also an alternate way of operating and thinking. Mind you, there are gurus out there that can tell you how to be a leader. You can read the books, listen to podcasts, but ultimately you have to find a way that works for you, that fits with your values and your beliefs. And Jonathan is that. So Jonathan, I would love for you to share a bit about yourself personally, the journey and the work that you're doing now. Sure. Thank you. I started out more unique than most people that I know. I actually grew up as a Christian missionary kid in Papua New Guinea. I was there until I was 11. And as you can imagine, my parents taught me to love and serve and give and help and pay it forward and, and put yourself last. And as we, when we came back from overseas, I had this stark realization that my family was poor. And I had no sense of that debt before that. It was, it was a stark realization for me. And in that, I decided that I didn't want to be poor. I decided I wanted to be rich. So as I got older, I went to UCLA. I decided to get into commercial real estate because I thought it was an avenue to become rich. And as I got in, I realized pretty quickly, wow, this is a cutthroat, take no prisoners, dog eat dog industry. Uh, so I became that way because I thought that's what it took. And I thought that my parents, having taught me to love and serve and give, I thought they had it all wrong because they were poor and I didn't want to be poor. So I became rich in my mind by doing the things that other people did to become rich. But I was miserable. And Deb, as you can imagine, I was misaligned with my core values, but I felt trapped and I didn't know a different way. And then 20 years ago, a speaker introduced me to this idea of success by helping other people. And the more that I embraced that, the more that it transformed my life. And today we've built one of the largest independent firms of our kind in the country. We only focus on selfless service as our business strategy, helping others, trying to pave the way for others to see that, hey, if we could do this in commercial real estate brokerage of all places, and we can be successful, then others can do it too. So our mission is we want to change the industry and we want to change business by demonstrating that you truly don't have to be ruthless to win, which is why I named the title of my book behind me, that title. So what we do is we represent companies, we help them with their real estate needs. We're ferocious advocates for our clients. But it's, it's, it's a neat business model and one that we talk about a lot in the book where the more that we help other people, the more that we focus on them and what they need and getting them what they want and going above and beyond for them, the more that we get what we want. So it's this amazing cycle of people helping people and actually creating success. It's sort of 
sort of takes it out of that esoteric, fluffy, you should do good things and turns it into real practical, tangible. Here's how you can create extraordinary long-term success by focusing on helping other people. So an amazing story. And you've got me thinking because I've also been on that journey as well. You know, sometimes you think in business, you have to be loud. You have to have this charismatic uh, personality and you have to be out there and making your numbers. And there's so many things that you have to do. But then at the same time, it didn't sit well with me. But there's something about what you said as being in service to others. And basically, like if you pay it forward, it should come back in return. And sometimes that is hard. You can keep serving and helping and referring others. And at one point you start questioning, is this going to return? And I'm curious in your journey, as you evolved your business model, how was that until you started seeing that model working for you? And did you have any doubt about it along the way? Tons. It's a brilliant question. So one of the things when I had, when I heard that speaker, one, I wasn't sure that he was being authentic. I went up to him afterwards and I said, is that really true? Or is that just something you say to sound good on a stage? And he said, no, it's really true. And I said, well, how does it work? And he explained it and he described it as the difference between hunting and farming. He said, Jonathan, today you're hunting. You go out, you get a piece of business, you close the deal, and then you got to get up and you got to go do it all over again. What I'm describing is farming. I have this lemon tree in my backyard. And when it was little, I mean, there was no fruit. I thought it was dead half the time. My dog kept trying to pull it up. I had to put a little fence around it, water it, pounding those little stakes from Home Depot into the ground to, to give it nutrition. Now, today, I have so many lemons, I don't know what to do with them. But back then, I was, I was investing in the future. So that's how he likened it. And it made sense to me. It was if you invest in people and serve them and go on above and beyond for them and show them that you're really in it for them, then it comes back. And so my next question for him was, Okay, that makes sense. I rationally understand that law of reciprocity, et cetera. I said, but if this is so great and if this works so brilliantly, how come nobody else is doing it that I know of? And his answer was right to your question, as he said, because it takes too long. And so he said, what you're, what, what we're talking about, Jonathan, is the difference between the short game and the long game. This is not instant gratification. This is investing long-term in relationships and having it come back. And so my philosophy today, and I've evolved a lot since those initial conversations with him, is I don't believe that you can outgive the universe, Deb. I think that the more that you pay it forward, the more that it comes back. But if you're looking at it through the lens of instant reciprocity, number one, it's the wrong lens because you're not actually giving. You're trying to manipulate the system, which is kind of creepy in and of itself. If you act like it's a gift, but you expect something in return. I'm never expecting something directly back from somebody that I serve, but I know that the more I help as many people as I can, the more that puts that out there into the universe and it comes back. And while they may, that may sound squishy to people, it truly is what we've built our business on. So our business is 100% referral, people telling people about how we serve, how we've helped them. And it really creates this extraordinary model. And so my, my message to the world is, if we can do this in commercial real estate brokerage, you can do this in your industry. And so I wrote the book so that I could teach other people how we've done it and all the lessons that I've learned over the last 20 years, packed it into the book so that anybody can pick it up and implement this in their own business. So who comes to you based on these insights, the book and the workshop that you offer? 
Is it just realtors within the commercial real estate market or others are coming to you as well? Obviously, we get a lot of recruits, people that this message aligns with that are interested in being a part of us. It brings clients. It brings organizations and companies that say, I want my commercial real estate broker for my office space, my warehouse space, my healthcare space, whatever. I want them to have this philosophy and I want to work with someone like that that stands for those things. We get a bunch of those. But it also brings, it attracts goodwill in ways that are hard to directly correlate in ROI, right? There'll be a lot of people that say, Jonathan, I've heard so many good things about your firm. I've never met them, right? But because we've helped other people, those people tell other people. And so there's this kind of general goodwill that is beneficial as well. So from our perspective, what I'm trying to teach the world is, I believe, and this is going to sound weird to many of you listening, but I'm going to say it twice. I believe that selflessness is selfish. I believe that selflessness is self-interested, right? So my message is not do good because it's the right thing. Everybody already knows that. You're either helping people because you think that it's good to do or you're not. So I'm not a, you know, I'm not a philosopher. I'm a pragmatic business leader that says, look, what I'm demonstrating every single day is that if you help people as your primary objective, put yourself last and put others first, you over time cannot help but create extraordinary success. Deb, I can't keep up with the volume of clients that come our way. And many of them, I don't even know where they came from. They come from trickle-down effect of all the good that we've done in the world. And my message to others is, look, if you can, in your mind, say, like the thing that always frustrated me is, why is the business world so antagonistic, just in general? Why do people believe it's in their best interest to be so confrontational and so aggressive and and acting as a zero-sum game mindset? What if you didn't have to do that? And what if the people that were the most successful were the ones that actually didn't act that way? We have lots of examples of individuals that that's true about. But most people that do that, they're not willing to put it, well, either it's not their calling or it's just they're not, they don't want to or they just don't think about it putting it out there and explaining it. They just live it quietly, faithfully, they just live it. And so what we decided to do was to be bold and say, we want to change business. We want to show that this is possible. And we're not claiming to be perfect. I'm certainly not. Just ask my wife. But there's an abundance of goodwill that drives our success that's driven by our focus on service of helping other people, of going above and beyond, of figuring out what other people need and helping them get it versus me, 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 which is how most people in business and in life for that matter live. So beautiful again, I'm smiling here because again, the long game, you have to believe that doing things right for the long game are going to give you sustainable results in the future if you have the patience. But I'm curious When you were on that journey and you said, this is what I'm going to do, and you've seen the fruits of that philosophy, but what was it at what pivotal point or a series of things in that journey said, I see it coming back. I see it coming back because for a person that says, okay, I'm going to be that kind of servant leader. 
I'm going to help each other. I might not get my stuff done, but I'm going to be in service to others. And then as soon as they get burnt, maybe in their job or in their business, I didn't get that result. I didn't get enough clients. I'm going to go back to the old way of doing things. What was that thing that anchored that philosophy with you to say, I'm now going to keep going because it's working? Well, I think the original anchor is either that I'm just stubborn (laughs) or refuse to give up or some combination of the two. So I think it does take a stick-to-itiveness that is essential because it is a long, hard road. And there were many days where I was staring up at the ceiling going, am I, am I crazy? You know, I went from top producer at, at a national firm globally as a young person to, you know, I think I, I think my award was national rookie of the year, I think is what it was. So I was like supposedly on the fast track. And then all of a sudden, here I am involved in the community, helping as many people as possible. People thought I'd hit my head, right? So, and even my wife at the time was like, hey, Jonathan, you know, you're smart. You work really, really hard. Have you seen our bank account? It's not there. So there's a, there's a level of stick to that's that's important. But I think, Deb, if, if I may be so bold, I think what you said, I would like to reframe slightly because I think it's part of the challenge with people getting their heads around. People go, okay, Jonathan, on one hand, you're saying I'm supposed to give selflessly. But on the other hand, you're saying it's selfish. So how does that reconcile? How am I supposed to give selflessly, but still expect something to come back? And I think when you say it failed or they didn't get what they needed, I think therein, in that framing lies the problem, right? Because it's a framing of expectation that if you do X, Y will result. What I'm trying to thread is a very, very nuanced needle that says, I'm not expecting A, an immediate return, B, that the people that I help are going to do anything for me. So there's no opportunity for failure because if my selfless service is truly freely given, there's no expectation of a return. Now, also, in addition to that, there's this amazing thing called the law of reciprocity. What I believe in a holistic way is a broader belief system that the more good and service and help and giving that I do, that somewhere, somehow it's going to come back to me. But again, I don't have a time frame on it. I don't have an individual associated with it. I'm not training tit for tat, right? So it's having to lean in and trust that the universe cannot handle an imbalance. That's the hardest thing for people, right? And so for me, what anchored me was I had one person, that speaker, who had proven that it could be done. What I'm trying to be is that person, that anchor for many other people that say, well, if that crazy Jonathan Kaiser guy who used to be a ruthless shark could transform and now has built an extraordinary company just by serving and helping people, maybe I can do it too. So I want to be that anchor that when people are doing this and frustrated and saying, but I trusted him and I trusted Deb and I really want to do that, but I'm not seeing it. It took me four and a half years, Deb, to reinvent myself. Four and a half years. Most people don't have that kind of time, right? So I'm not suggesting that people go crazy, go broke and throw it all in. They could do it. It's possible. I did it. I'm not suggesting that's the best way or the fun way, but I do think that if people just reorient, like if you take anything away from this, 
to say, okay, what's practical, Jonathan? What can I actually do? Here's what I would suggest. I would suggest that each of you look at what your interactions look like. Don't change your schedule. Don't change what you do. Don't throw your business plan away like I did. Just try to get involved with every single individual that you otherwise would have met with anyways. And in that dialogue, in that conversation, one, listen intently. Don't be checking your cell phone. Don't be thinking about other things. Be fully present. Be listening. Number two, be curious. Ask good questions. Figure out three unique ways, distinct, unique ways that you can help that person. And they could be anything. They could be personal. They could be helping their kid with something. They could be helping them by giving them some, you know, I give out a lot of books. So here's a book for whatever they're dealing with, helping them by getting them business, making valuable introductions for them, like trying to leave every conversation with that person feeling like your whole intent in that interaction was to help them. And if you do that and you do that consistently over time, you will be amazed at how that transforms your interactions. Because what most people are doing is they have an agenda that they're trying to get something from every interaction. When I show up, the reason why people say, like my, my team will say, everybody loves JK. Everybody calls me JK. Everybody loves JK. It's not really that they love me and my personality and whatever. It's that in those interactions, all I care about is them. All I'm trying to do is help that person. Now, imperfectly, because I'm an imperfect person, but that's my intentionality. That's what I'm approaching it with is I want to leave every interaction with three distinct things that I could do for an individual, a person. And when you do that, and then make sure you follow up, don't just get them and then forget, do them. And when you do that, you'll see that the transformation, you will unlock relationships. And it's in that unlocking of a relationship that magic happens that business happens, that opportunities come out of it, that, that unbelievable friendships that lead to numerous other opportunities, right? So the focus is not on you, focus on them, love and serve, find three ways, be present, don't be in your own head, don't be on your phone, and you will see over time your relationships, your business, and your opportunities transform. So that was amazing. And we haven't finished our interview, but that's where we could potentially leave this interview is those actionable steps, a shift in mindset in how and what we do. It'll all come back. And I will tell you, and you validated something with me. I have been in business for now three and a half years. I believe in the brand. I believe in how I serve. I did a bit of that hustle and grind, and there was a lot of wasted energy. But also, I've been planting seeds, your lemon tree, along the way because I truly care and I want to do something, and I have let it go. I have let it go saying, well, are, you know, are they going to try to help me out or anything? You talk about serve and ask. Somebody told me that mm, I'd rather just serve. And then the responsibility, they might say, is there something I can do for you? I am seeing the fringe, the early particles, the efforts of people remembering me. Hey, can I introduce you to such and such? And again, it might not be that encounter, but maybe something else. So I've got one more year to see this thing actually come to fruition. The bank account is a familiar story, <laughs> but. I see the end in sight. So I truly, truly appreciate that. And Deb, let me add one thing to that because I think Please. it's so important and I'm just flowing with you here. Awesome. <laughs> so the next question that I get a lot is, okay, JK, there's only so much time in a day. 
You're telling me to serve everyone. I don't have time to serve everyone. How does that even work? So number one is you have to have self-care because if you're not taking care of yourself, you have nothing to give. So that's a given. But I want to say it clearly for the audience. I'm not saying give until you die. I'm saying give, 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 but self-care as well. So that, that's the overlay. But what I would invite people to think through the lens of is strategic service. So what I mean by that is if there are unlimited needs in the world, we can all acknowledge that. And if there are unlimited opportunities to serve, and if service by its very definition, Deb, has to be voluntary, right? Because if somebody tells you to serve, it's no longer service. It's it's a mandate, right? It's It's an obligation. It's a duty. It's a job or whatever. So if service by its definition has to be voluntary, and if there's unlimited opportunities for service, then you, as the master of your own domain, get to choose who you serve. And my recommendation is the difference between people that go into the poorhouse with the strategy and ones that are super successful with the strategy is be strategic with who you serve. So what does that mean? Well, if I know that XYZ company is a good potential client of my company Kaiser on the real estate side, and Bill is the CFO, I'm going to figure out ways that I can selflessly serve Bill. Because I know that if he decided to, he would have the ability to hire me. That doesn't mean he needs to. That doesn't mean I'm connecting my service to that and it's a mandatory. No, I'm just saying if I get to choose who I'm going to serve, I'm going to serve those people that should they so desire could help me in return. That's the strategic side of it. And the more of those people. So if you're thinking through your lens of who are your ideal clients, Deb, who would you like to be doing business with? Who do you feel alignment with? Figure out who those people are, concentrate your efforts there, and it'll come back in waves. So I so agree with that because, hey, I can help anybody and everybody. It's possible through my leadership skills, my insights, but I did the same thing. This is just you and me. Our listeners are listening in right now. I got very crystal clear on who I could serve. CEOs, senior business leaders, all of the C-suite, I invite them onto my show because I know they have a story and they can give back. But I am also reaching out. LinkedIn Navigator is an amazing tool for which I am seeking to connect with directors of operations, managers in manufacturing operations and quality because it's a familiar landscape. And I simply ask curious questions about their leadership journey, get to know them, share my book with them afterwards and expect nothing more. It's beautiful. That's the play. And the only way that that doesn't succeed for you, Deb, is if you stop. (laughs) And so that's where the self-care comes in because you need the energy, the sleep and everything like that to be able to go through and and just put your best forward in that 12 to 14 hours some days, except for you take some time off as well. And, and you know, what's really interesting about this, if people are not in business for themselves and they are in a, a corporate entity, it's the same thing about if you do want to get ahead, it's not about doing just good work, but also learn about those different functions, those areas that maybe you want to move into. Who are those leaders that you aspire to be like, or you like their behaviors, they have the same values? Spend some time, get to know them, see how you can help them, share with them an article. Something like that, if nothing else, you build a relationship, you're memorable, and maybe something will come up. And the benefit is you get to know another person, you gain some insight, but they do come back. I I will tell you that is always so shocking for a lot of people that the interactions 
do not carry some sort of hook. That is the magic. The magic is you're not manipulating. You're truly there for them. And I love people. I just do. Everybody I meet with, I fall in love with. There's there's such unbelievable brilliance in everyone. And we spend so much time as people criticizing, finding the faults. That's not my mindset. My mindset is everyone is brilliant. And right, and, and then that's part of service too, because most people don't feel loved and adored very much in their lives. What if your main act of service to people was helping them feel appreciated, helping them feel encouraged, helping them feel loved, helping them feel like, like they have a fan? Why don't we withhold the love and service and the good that we can do for others? It's just ego, right? So what if you just let, not you, I'm saying, I'm talking to the audience. What if you, the listener, just let your guard down, stop worrying about how you looked in their mind, stop worrying about what they think about you. Don't worry about all that. Why don't you just worry about what they need? Because most people are so self-consumed with their own thoughts and ideas, they're not thinking about you anyways. Get in their world. Their world is in their head. They're thinking about themselves and their things and all their struggles and the fight they had with their, you know, their daughter that morning and the fact that their dog is dying and all. That's the world that everyone is living in. Get in their world. Stop trying to tell them how great you are. Nobody cares. Love them, serve them, help them. You know, it's interesting. The outcome in some people's mindsets is what can I get from this? In your model, it's how can I serve them? But ultimately, there's even a greater outcome is because of that interaction, you or the situation become memorable. If they don't remember who you are, they remember the instance in time for which maybe you gave them an advantage or something that helped them. They'll remember the moments you leave your legacy, whether they come back to you or not. You have taken a step to change the world one interaction at a time. And the three action items you do, Deb, after every interaction, each one makes you more and more memorable. Because the first time they're like, wow, that was kind of cool. That person really did what they said. The second one, you're like, oh my gosh, this person's pretty incredible. The third one, they're like, I give up. This person's out of control. Like, how is this person so selfless that all they want to do is help me? I wonder what I can do for them. 80% of the people in the world are wired that way. So if you just do the basics of life, and, and here's the thing, if you're just listening and you're a ruthless shark and you're thinking, okay, I get it. This is a way for me to manipulate. This is a way for me to game the system. I tried that at first. That's why it was a long transition for me. I thought this was a better mousetrap that I could just use it as a tactic. The reality is, is that people have incredible bullshit detectors and they can tell if you're sincere or not. So if you're just pretending to like them, if you're just pretending to help them so you get something in return, they'll pick up on it. They'll pick up on it. So that's the hard part. The hard part is you actually have to fall in love with helping people and you have to actually be willing to put your needs aside and you have to do it over and over and over and over and over again. That's why most people don't do this. It sounds good. They're like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. They go do it three times and they're like, ah, I don't know. And like, it's, it's not working. It's not this. So you have to literally fall in love with loving on other people. For me, my biggest juice in life is helping people. What makes me the happiest is when I'm in service to someone else. But that did not happen overnight. It took discipline. It took commitment. You know, there was a time when I was 
doing 50 to 60 acts of service a day for people. And it was just endless, just boom, boom, boom. That takes a level of commitment, right, to do so. So if you really want to transform yourself like everything else, you have to be disciplined in the areas. And what I'm suggesting is rather than be disciplined in your sales pitches, just be disciplined in your service and you'll see amazing results at the end of it. Jonathan, this has been an amazing interview, but I also want to be in service to you to service others. And I believe, at least in the capacity of your business, you have an offer for which you can help other people in the area of commercial real estate. Yes, for any company, thank you, Deb, for any company that has a lease and they're thinking, hmm, I don't know what to do in today's environment. I'm not sure what I should be doing. I know my lease is coming up in a few years. We'd be happy to do a free lease review for any of you and kind of give you some of our thoughts. It's what we're good at, the same level of service that we talked about now. We apply and how we help people on the commercial real estate side. So if we could be of service to any of you, please let us know. Easy to track us down. It's kaiser.com, K-E-Y-S-E-R, K-E-Y-S-E-R. The proper spelling is what I like to say. And if you want to reach me directly, my email address is jk at kaiser.com. Jonathan. JK, you've been an amazing guest. I'm grateful for the network. Another person, Meredith Bell, who is in service and pays it forward as well for making the introduction. I know. And I am grateful we've had the opportunity to bring an amazing conversation to our audience. So Jonathan, I wish you amazing success and thank you so much. Thank you, Deb. It's an honor. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership navigate rapid transformation and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.